you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. This is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters. Thanks for coming back. You know, I've been thinking a lot about where people are at different stages of their lives. I just passed like a big birthday. It makes me think about like, what should I be thinking about now? And so I thought what I'd do is I'd devote a few quick tip Tuesdays to talk about what you should be thinking about at different times in your life. And I thought I'd just separate it by the decades. Uh, With that in mind, I thought I would start at the beginning really the beginning of your grown-up professional life, which for most of us is our 20s. Now, I know some of you have jobs when you're working in high school, and I had one of those, but really, you could really listen to this, I guess, if you were in your teens and be a super fast starter, which would be terrific. But really, I'm thinking more about people in their 20s trying to figure out what the next steps are and what they should be thinking about. Even if you're not in your 20s, you probably love somebody in their 20s. And I I always hear baby boomers whine about how uninspired young millennials are. And what I'll say to you is I think all millennials are a pretty hardworking group and I don't think they get enough credit. And I think that my mother thought I was lazy too. FYI, just letting you guys know that you're really not alone out there. There are some things that in your 20s you want to start to learn about. This is actually a great time to be in your 20s because there's so much stuff available today information and resources available today that really were not available when I was in my 20s, we'll just say a while ago. Anyway, so in your 20s, you want to be thinking about establishing your credit and establishing your um, I am a stable person value. And so what I mean by that is people look for employees that have had a job for a couple of years So if you're a frequent job changer, meaning like you're jumping jobs every six months, you should know that there are likely employers that'll hold that against you. If you want to grow in your career, one of the things that makes sense is find a company that you could suck it up and stay with for at least a couple of years to get a good line item on your resume. So to think about that, think about two-year jobs as sort of a threshold. Even if you get a job and it may not be the job that you wanted, if the pay is pretty good, you stay and work at that job versus leaving to look for another job. Maybe look for another job while you're working rather than leaving and finding yourself waiting tables again. I share this because this actually happened to me in my 20s. My first job out of college, I was actually making less money working professionally, driving into Boston every day from the North Shore, which by the way, was like a terrorist driving commute. And I was making less money than I was making working tables my last year in college. I was a waitress and waitresses make good money in college. Many of us remember those days. I came up for my review and they said how terrific I was doing and gave me a really small bump in pay, which I, of course, with all my talent and bright smarts, was insulted by. How could these people not see that I was worth so much more to them? And I was so offended that I left. 
except unemployment was like 10% that year. This was 1986 and unemployment was really, really high in America. And I left this job that I had that was probably a great entry-level job for me as a professional. And I waited tables for another year before I found the next professional job. Now, I did make more money that year, but I got no move forward on my professional career, which later on, it meant that I was behind people my age who were getting increases and moving along in their jobs because I had not moved along that track. I had gotten off the right ladder and I'd gotten on the wrong ladder. So the right ladder was the ladder that was going to move me forward professionally. And the ladder I got on was the one that was going to give me a little bit more dough right away and then massaged my ego about how I was worth more. But it actually wasn't a better move. So I always say, you get a job and you keep it. And you keep it long enough so that you can talk about how good you were when you were there. On the other side, I want to be stable financially. And by this, I mean, I want to not bounce checks. I want to have a little bit of money in my checking account. Uh, Maybe I don't have a lot of money. Maybe every month I'm just trying to figure out how to pay my bills. But I want to be uber careful to make sure that I'm not bouncing checks and destroying my reputation or paying my bills so late that creditors are calling me. Because it's really hard when you don't have a lot of credit. If it goes bad, then all you have is bad credit. And it follows you for a year. It'll follow you well into your 30s, even though maybe it happened in your mid-20s. So you want to be careful about it. Some things become easy to do and then hard to fix, like buying cars and signing car loans. In fact, lately I was reading in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend about car loans and how many subprime car lenders there are. Subprime car lenders are people that would lend money to you to buy a car, even though you have bad credit. And that that business is enormous, that people have been able to buy cars that maybe they really couldn't afford at interest rates that were really unreasonable and they were buying them anyway because right now everybody seems to want a new car. And the problem with that is the love lasts about 60 days and the car payment lasts about 60 months. So you want to be careful about what you commit to and know that when you buy a new car, you have to get a quote about what the insurance will be because often the more expensive car has, guess what? more expensive insurance. And you want to make sure that you figured that out and you planned it in. Now, I always say that the decade of the 20s is like, it's about moving out for the first time. It's about establishing your own legal residence. It's about being a dependent for yourself and your own tax return. Suddenly, you know, your parents might still be helping you or not, but mostly you're responsible for yourself and you're responsible for managing all of those reoccurring bills. Now, I've seen lots and lots of smart 20-year-olds do things like Hulu and Netflix versus cable, things that I wish their parents could figure out because their parents spend a lot of money on things like really expensive phone contracts and really expensive cable bills. And young people have figured out that that just is a lot of money to spend on things that they're not really getting good value for. So they tend to be, I think younger people tend to be better consumers. They tend to be better shoppers. They pay attention to price because they know they need to be price sensitive. But what you want to think about is, am I paying for something that I actually need? And am I paying a fair price for what I actually need? And I think today there are more, like I said, for young people, more tools available than there ever were. But I really think there are three things. Buy a house, buy a car, and move out on your own. Any of those three things or all of those three things will happen in your 20s. Now, 
your parents maybe don't know a lot about your social media, but they probably know a lot more about financing than you do. So it, it's really okay to ask them. But if you don't want to ask them, you should look at resources like bankrate.com, which will show you what interest rates are around the country and give you some idea about what things should cost before you go out and sign a contract. Also, when you think about buying a house, a realtor will be happy to tell you how you can afford more based on what you make. But here's what I'll say to you. If you take your rent, and let's say your rent is $1,000 a month, and you're able to pay your rent, but you're not able to save $1,000 a month, then you're not able to afford $2,000 a month. I'll say it again. If you take your rent, and then you add to that the extra money for the mortgage and the real estate taxes and the insurance, and if you couldn't save that amount, then you can't afford that mortgage. It's sort of a simple way to think about what's really doable. Now, the banks all have these fancy calculations about how much mortgage they think you can afford if you want to eat ramen noodles and live in your new house forever and never go anywhere and have no life, which, by the way, you will begin to resent eventually. But you don't probably need a house for that much money. If you want to buy a house, what you want to make sure is you buy a house that you can afford, that you can afford no matter what, and that you have about three months of living expenses beyond your down payment set aside just in case. Now, if you do that, you'll be fine. But if you get a mortgage that's a bit of a stretch, but you fell in love with this beautiful house and it was more money than you thought you were going to spend, this is the one and only chance, the very first opportunity you'll have to walk away from something that you really can't do. And if you do, it'd be really smart and it'd be okay not to do that. I think today, young people are doing a better job of not going out and overextending themselves because I think they look at the 40-year-olds and realize that a lot of these people have sunk their own ship and they're afraid to be those people. So you want to be careful, you want to be smart, and you want to be conservative about your money because you don't make a lot of money yet and you don't have all those opportunities. Now later, you'll have more opportunities. And when you do, you'll be in a financial position to take advantage of that. But let's talk a little bit about credit cards. I know that we're all eager to build our credit because you know society tells us we have to have a great credit score and there are all these sites where you can monitor your credit all the time and you're actually supposed to pay attention to this. And you know what I'll say to you is that having credit is important, but how you use credit is more important. So I often see people with credit card balances that they carry month to month. And on the bottom of their statement is this little number that says, if you continue to pay the minimum payment, you will pay this out over the next 27 years. And it's like some small balance, like a couple thousand dollars. And what the credit card company is saying to you is, you need to pay more. That's what they're really saying. They can't make you pay more, but they're saying to you that if you don't pay, you know, I'm personally one of those people that believes you should pay it off at the end of every month, but sometimes people can't do that, right? Like, let's say you have, you know, you have something happen to your car and you've got to put $1,000 on your credit card to do something to the engine of your car. You weren't expecting it. Maybe you didn't have $1,000 in the bank to pay it off. And so then you say, well, that $1,000 has been on there forever. And every month I try to pay it down, but it keeps coming back and I'm not getting out of this. And so what I say to people is paying off debt is a, it's a choice. It's a priority. Um, 
I always say the amount of money that you pay credit card companies in interest every year is lost money. It benefits you in no way except that they gave you money when you didn't have it. So before you buy something else that you actually don't need, your job is to get rid of the debt that you couldn't afford for the credit they gave you when you didn't have it. So let's say you have an unexpected expense and it's $1,000. I'm just throwing it out there. And you really have a couple hundred dollars a month that you can put on your credit card and pay it off. Well, fast math says that's five months. So for you, if it is five months, that's five months where you should be doing significantly less or no charging on that card or really on any other card until you're able to pay it off. Life does happen and credit cards can be a great way to patch you through, but they can't be what you live on because they're charging you interest every day and your bank is giving you no money on your interest for your checking and savings and maybe you don't have a lot of cash, but if you find yourself a little too far out, meaning you owe more money than you can pay off in a month, then you want to plan for how you're going to pay that off. And if the interest rate is crazy, you may want to look at certain, certain options like bankrate.com or maybe creditcarbon.com to look at options for consolidating credit at lower interest rates. A word of caution around consolidation, it's not a way out of paying. It's just a way to neaten it up and make it more manageable. But if consolidating means that you're not actually paying it down, which unfortunately people get a small little payment for their consolidation and then they go out and they charge in their credit card again. And this vicious cycle will keep you poor through your 30s and 40s, which we're going to talk about next week. So you want to be careful about that, how much you owe, and how soon you pay that off. And if it gets bigger than you thought, a plan for how you're going to make it go away. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.